This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend, Charlie Dobbin? I'm very well, thank you, Dean. It's... um. What a difference a, a day makes, though. Which yeah. Things are changing here. The wind is blowing. The leaves are flying. We've got a little bit of rain happening, and I'm happy for the rain. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, it feels uh, a little bit, well, uh, substantially more like autumn now, doesn't it, than it, it did earlier in the week. Very, very summery top of the week. Crazy. Just, I mean, come on, shorts dripping in sweat as we're out raking soil and, you know, planting grass seeds. Boy, that was that was hot work this past week. Yeah, I was uh, I was filling in on the Afternoon Express for uh, Liz West and Eva D on AM 740. And, uh, and I had to keep looking over the weather and I laughed. I'd say, OK, so it's 30 degrees in Toronto. And it was like, holy cow, it's 29 and feels like 32. It was like yeah. and everybody's looking at the calendar going, that's crazy. Yeah, so, sure. so question. So, what does that do, or is that confusing for the plants a little bit? Not really. It's just a prolonged fall. So, um, yeah, we're not getting. We didn't get the fall color that we would have got with the cold snaps that you normally get at night. You get the fall color. The fall color we're getting now in the leaves. The maple trees are looking pretty brilliant in a lot of places. It's more to do with. Uh, drought stress than than temperature stress so yeah i mean it, it all works out the plants basically just go along with whatever mother nature throws at them right and it seems to me from uh, of course we were in studio in your studio together last week i seem to recall something about you throwing down some grass seeds so uh, so of course when you mentioned the, the drought that'll that'll play into that a little bit or not so much uh, yeah, well, I have so much, such a sunny, sunny front garden that the grass just burns off in the sun. And of course, we don't water our lawn. We don't have enough water on our well for that. So that's one of the things we did. And the crabgrass had a tenant, took over. So we had a whole crabgrass mess out there. So the very dry, I think, might have killed a bunch of crabgrass, which is great. Uh, hopefully before it went to seed. So we might have a lower you know, quantity of crabgrass next spring as a result. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is here, if you leave a little bit of bare earth, something will move in. Everything takes advantage of a little bit of bare earth. And usually it's not what you want. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take advantage of this little gap in the conversation. I'm going to give out the numbers. How's that? Uh, yeah. We would love for you to give us a call. Uh, if you live in Toronto, the number is 416 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free number, one 740 Four seven forty. Okay, so uh, unless you have a an, an quick announcement to make, um, I'll go to uh, break. Or do you have something you need to say before that? We should probably go to break, but I do have some homework, and I did do my homework. We had a call last week about speckled spur flowers, and the week before a call about ground sherry. So I'm happy to update and fill in the blanks as we left them. Okie dokie. We will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, blue. 
snails and begonias, for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, it is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on Zoomer Radio. And one thing I forgot to mention before we went to break there uh, is that uh, please do let Ashy know if you are a first-time caller. And, of course, I'll give you your garden wings. And uh, we want you to call often. We want you to call early. And one question per call, please. The number's again, 416-360-0740 or one 740 Four seven forty. So let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Rita on the line, and Rita's calling from Woodbridge. Welcome to the Garden Show, Rita. Hello. 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 Hi there. Hi, Charlie and Dean. First time caller. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Woohoo! There okay, we are. So Welcome you, to the show. Thank you. I know you probably just answered my question about grass seed, but um, I just thought because of the crazy weather we had, maybe. You know, like now wasn't the time to wait till it's cooler. So what kind of a window do I have here to put down my grass seed? I live in Vaughan. Right. So the the challenge is that gra- regular grass seed mixes made up of a, a blend of different seeds need seven to ten days to germinate in optimal conditions. So optimal meaning temperatures in the double digits, soil prefer you know, soil temperatures in the double digits consistent moisture. So we've got the nice warm soil. We have the temperatures cooling off in the air so that will start to cool the soil. If you can maintain, you know, if you could plant today and maintain consistent moisture, uh, you should have plenty of time for that grass seed to grow before winter. Bottom oh, line, good. though, so I can, is if that... If I do it, say, this weekend, I'll be fine. Yeah, if it doesn't grow for whatever reason, you know, like at my house, it may not grow what I planted because I'm not watering it. Um, it'll just have to wait. It'll grow next spring if it doesn't grow. Oh, it grow will grow fall. next spring. Okay, so it's not like, you know, it didn't grow and that's it. There's a fine line yeah, between starting to grow and not surviving. But I think what will happen in my case, I think there'll be time for it to grow just, you know, germinate before winter really hits. And then it'll really take off next spring. Okay, that's great, because I see all conflicting advice on Google. It's better to ask the experts, so <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> Thank for your you. help. Yeah. No, it's true. A lot of times people worry, and it's like the grass seed's not go- going anywhere. As long as you're not on an extreme slope where it might erode down a slope in the winter and the spring rains, you're fine. And remember, a light raking after you broadcast the seed will give it a little bit of moisture because of the soil, and also the the uh, birds won't eat it, because that's the other thing, right? Birds can eat your grass seed. <laughs> Doing that last year, eating all my seeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did, so, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, that's great. Top, Thank you so much. Top dress and overseed. So top dress with good quality topsoil, yep. overseed with the right uh, seed mix for your conditions. Very good. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the call there, Rita. Um, keeping all of that that you just said in mind, Charlie, uh, how about fertilizing? I know a few years, probably the year before I started working with you, uh, we purchased a fertilizer that went down in the winter. It was a slow release. Um, do you have a preference? Do you like those, or is it better to wait till the spring, or what, what do you no, think? I think that the, if you only are going to fertilize your lawn once a year, which is what I do, 
you yeah. do it in the fall or okay. do it in the late fall, preferably November. So oh, okay. it is a fall fertilizer or a winterizer fertilizer. It is so important because it's not it, it's not so much of a boost of nitrogen because you're not trying to grow your lawn in the late mm-hmm. fall, <clears throat> but you are trying to set up the turf, the, the little plants that make up your lawn, set them up to be in the best condition possible to get through the winter and be all perky and ready to go in the spring. And that's what a winterizer fertilizer does. It really, really helps with what we call heart, like winter hardiness, vigor, just all around uh, health for the plants. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think we, we haven't done it. We've, we've been doing some seeding this year and, um, and we've laid down some, and I think Gail's, my wife's holding on to some for the spring. I don't know whether it makes sense just to throw it all down now or whether we should overseed now or just hold on to some of it and put some down in the spring as well. Is one better than the other? Wait, so you're talking about grass seed right now? Yeah, sorry, grass fertilizer. seed. Sorry, I'm jumping yeah. around a bit. Yeah. Um, I have not had a lot of success with seeding in the spring unless you can really, really sort of take care of it. The, in the spring, the soil is very cold. So the, the seed does nothing until the soil starts to warm up. Um, my most successful, and certainly if you ask any of the sod grower uh, companies out there, they'll, do, they'll tell you the vast majority of the turf they grow is seeded in the fall. In because the fall. that is okay. the best time for, for seeding turf. Nice warm soil, reasonable air temperatures, usually consistent moisture just through precipitation. Gotcha. Okay, great. You know, we're going to take our our next break now. Uh, We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, welcome back to The Garden Show. On this Thanksgiving uh, weekend, it is the 7th of October. And one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Charlie, before, uh, which is completely related to uh, gardening and the bounty and things like that, uh, mm-hmm. I've mentioned it a few times uh, uh, on the radio this week, and that is that a lot of the farmer's markets, uh, this is their last weekend. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but a lot of them, This is the, they go till Thanksgiving. And, of course, uh, uh, I love them. I'm going to scoot out to mine uh, after we finish the show here because it is the, the last weekend for the Collingwood Farmer's Market. And I just love going out there and I love all this, the bounty. And a couple of weeks ago, I got my uh, my winter supply of garlic. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've got lots of garlic because I grew my own. But you know what else is uh, really, re- I'm seeing all of a sudden and mm-hmm. no surprise is sweet potatoes. Oh, sweet potatoes, right? yeah. Where Thanks are you seeing them? Like on the side of the like in your farmers markets? Yes, yeah. and it's Thanksgiving, right? It's yeah. really, it's a traditional sort of a, a for in my family anyway. Yeah. Traditionally, sweet potato was always part of the the Thanksgiving feast because it's such a big you know item that we harvest at this time of year. So for the first time ever, I planted sweet potato two plants this year. Actually, I planted one, but a chipmunk messed around with it, so I ended up with two, which is fine. Doubled <laughs> my crop. So I, I harvested one of the plants. It was in a huge big pot. Got about yeah, 12 nice-sized sweet potatoes in that big pot. So guess where they are? They I, I brushed the soil off, and they are curing in my bathroom. I have a basket of sweet potatoes <laughs> in my bathroom. Uh, you'll have to explain that to me. They have to be <laughs> cured? 
Yeah, so so the garlic that you bought you're buying at your farmer's market yes. came out of the ground yep. and the farmer has cured that garlic by yes. air drying it. So it's hung or it's laid out on on screens somewhere and it's out for 10 days, 2 weeks. That you know, that's never washed, no water ever goes on that garlic. It's just cleaned by hand, cured. So what the curing does is it it kind of toughens up the outer husk of the garlic because when it comes out of the ground, it's soft from being in the ground, mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know the the, the skin is not um, crispy like it is now, and that's what curing does. So same with the sweet potatoes; they come out of the ground, they're very soft, very orange, or you know, kind of muddy orange, and by curing them, in this case, it's not that hang it out and then dry the sweet potatoes; it's moist like high humidity and high temperature so my bathroom is the best i have a heated floor in my bathroom so wow my sweet potatoes are sitting at 80 degrees in a you know airy basket so they yeah. don't turn to mush but um, or a cardboard box whatever uh and they are um curing in my warm bathroom and of course bathrooms are always high humidity yeah. and uh, we'll be eating a few some this weekend and then eventually I'll, I'll dig up the other plant as well so i'm having some fun with with a new crop for me sweet and uh, i hope that you let elliot know before he went into the washroom this morning that there were sweet potatoes in there because you might have square scared the bejeebies out of him. <laughs> you know i know he, he just rolls his eyes he's like how does this happen how do i have sweet I have a cat sleeping on this floor because the cat lives there too, uh, around a basket of sweet potatoes. This is supposed to be my bathroom, right? <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, before we go to our next caller, we have lots of room on the line. Everybody's out of the markets, I think. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty or one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Give us a call with any question that has to do with grass or, or dare I say, amaryllis or sweet potatoes <laughs> or garlic or whatever you're thinking, okay? Uh, we've got Jenny on the line, and she's calling from Jarvis. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jenny. Thank you. Um, my question is about walnuts. I've got a lot walnuts. of walnut trees. Yeah. Um, and uh, the walnuts are falling down right now, of course, and they are quite mushy, and when they split open, there's a lot of little worms inside. I was wondering, what are they, and where do they go? (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Good question. I'm not sure. (coughs) Something has infested the fruit, obviously. Uh, I I, I I get them every year. They're, They're in there every year. Right. So, I mean, it, there's so many insects that have different life cycles. Sometimes it's the, these little insects way back in the spring are all start as little eggs as the walnut fruit is beginning to develop after, during, you know, pollination. Right. And we start to get these little tiny, tiny fruits that we're not even paying attention to. But meanwhile, eggs are laid and then those eggs hatch and the little larvae, the little caterpillars, proceed to eat the inside of the fruit where because the fruit is they're inside and it's growing all around them this happens with apples and some of our sweeter fruits as well where insects are actually right inside the fruit from the get-go um, i'm happy to look it up for you if you like because i do have i always have homework but um exactly what that insect is and how exactly it gets in there uh it will have a whole story attached to it i'm sure so leave that with me if you like is there any yeah, yeah. The, they, they are between the actual walnut and the hull and the husk. So they're actually sitting in the hull. They're not in the walnut itself. 
Yeah. Okay. And are they little worms, or are they little? They they don't have wings, obviously. No, no, no. They're like yeah, little grubs, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and they're not in oh. everyone, but yes, they're in quite a few. And yeah, they're all over my lawn, so I don't want them. You know, right. are they going to go into my lawn and? Become grubs yeah. in the in the garden. Probably or... not. Most insects are pretty specific. If, they, if you're finding them in a wall in the walnuts, then you're probably not going to find them elsewhere. But, but I will check into that. I mean, remember, walnuts are, are a challenging plant to grow at the best of times. So it's pretty specific what insects are going to um, eat any part of it. And of, and of course, you're going to want to get those hulls off your lawn because they're not going to do yeah, your, by the your lawn any favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good compost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks uh, for the call there, Jenny. Uh, Charlie, what makes a chestnut tree hard to grow? Walnut. Or walnut. What makes a, sorry, walnut oh, tree? Um, so walnuts are, have, okay. They exude a chemical from yeah. their roots that makes the environment around the plant very, very um, nasty for other plants. Oh. <laughs> They're the ultimate narcissists. So really? Okay. Very it's all about few, them. Yeah. Very few, very few plants can happily grow around a walnut. Huh. It's, yeah, it's just something that they've evolved to, to dominate. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah it's dokey. So the, the the chemical they exude is called juglone, and the actual genus of a walnut is juglans, J-U-G-L-A-N-S. So, um, yeah, this was something that they figured out. I mean, we're always figuring things out, but it was it's pretty obvious that when you try and plant a simple hosta beneath a, a walnut and it just shrivels up and dies, that you go, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, because exactly, because uh, hostas typically do like to be under trees yeah. and shady areas. And so, exactly. yeah. And they're pretty amenable to just about anywhere except under. Now, there are some plants that do better than others that do cope better with the, the juglone that is being exuded into the soil. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's go to our next caller. We have Susan. Susan's calling from Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susan. Good morning. Thanks for taking morning. my call. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Morning. Yes, thank you. To you too. I'm calling about a magnolia tree. It's a the variety of Susan, and we planted it probably four years ago, and it obviously likes where it is because it has grown a lot, and it's a multi-stem kind of from the ground, and it's it's getting a lot bigger than we want it to be. And I'm <laughs> wondering when and how can I prune, can we prune it? Okay, so interesting. Uh, that's the exact same magnolia that I also planted, it's Susan, uh, in, my, in my case, three years ago. And you're absolutely right. It is a very happy plant <laughs> growing, you know, leaps and bounds. Even doing some off-season flowering, like it has been flowering quite a bit the last month or so, which is odd. Magnolias are supposed to bloom in the spring, not the fall. But this one is good. It seems to bloom in every season. Best time to prune is after it flowers. So assuming it flowers in the spring, like it's supposed to, you can do some fairly radical pruning on a magnolia uh, in the, um, you know, after after bloom. So it might be early June in Burlington. It might be late May. I guess it just depends how the spring is, is going. Uh, sharp tools, dry day. 
with a magnolia tree, though, it's not, you don't want to go around and just take a bunch of little tips, cuttings. You know, you don't want to just take off, you're not going to give up haircut to this plant and expect it to look good as soon as you give a haircut to a magnolia you've got a, a bushy mess instead you're going to stand back and the winter is going to be a really good time to really study this plant study the skeleton study the framework study the trunks the branching what's going where and if you have to like i usually squint my eyes and i try and say okay Where's, you know, where's the David inside this chunk of marble? Like, where's the actual perfect magnolia inside this mess? And then you take either take pictures or just keep looking at it, keep talking to yourself. Come spring, you get out the proper tools and you are going to, you can remove up to a third of the plant. You, if it was me, and I'll be doing this on mine, uh, I'll be removing right from the bottom. Some There'll be too much coming from the bottom. I want to open up that inside of the plant. Crisscrossing branches are going to be removed. Anything that's filling in the middle, you know, anything that's growing into the middle is going to be removed. And then it's going to be a real, where what are the right structural um, branches or stems that are going to stay here? You have it's going to get big like this. This is a magnolia. This is going to be, you know, in at some point it's going to be 20 feet tall. And I don't want mine to be 20 feet wide. So I'm going to allow the 20 feet tall, but I want to keep it to, you know, maybe 10 feet wide. Yeah, my my husband is standing here making chainsaw motions in the background. <laughs> Wait, oh we've already lost control of this garden to a bunch of rows of Sharon's and now they're fighting with the magnolia and <laughs> it's we have true. some serious can't, turning to do here. <laughs> yeah, you can't have them all. But I mean, Rose of Sharon tends to be a narrow plant anyway. Magnolias have a tendency to want to be wide plants. So that's where, like I say, if you, if you want to keep it maybe narrower, but they're both Rose of Sharon and Magnolia are like a like a lilac, a V-shaped. When you stand back, they're V-shaped. So they grow into a center and the, the outer branches go up in a V. So you have to kind of look at all that. I mean, how many rows of Sharon do you want? Obviously, a magnolia is a pretty special plant and you own it. I wouldn't be cutting it down. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm going to be like literally decapitating many rows of Sharon's because took me a few years to realize that every one of those flowers dropped a seed. And uh-huh. that, so, I, I mean, I must have 50 rows of Sharon's in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be thinning out cold. that crop if you can. Get rid of some of those. Oh, move yeah. them, you know, wherever. You know, if you have a property where you can move a few around, but for sure, uh, give them to your neighbors, <laughs> dig them up, compost them. I have been giving them to neighbors. Okay, good. <laughs> for a couple of years. <laughs> All right, so everybody's got them now. <laughs> Start a nursery. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much. Uh, I will try and hold my husband off until the spring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thanks for the call there, Sharon. It's nice to get a call. Uh, you know, usually the calls are, I can't get this to grow. I can't, this is, I have a problem with this. It's so nice to say, my magnolia, I can't stop it from growing. It's blooming too much. <laughs> I know. There's a, it's so funny. It's one or the other, right? <clears throat> yeah, and I have to say, my favorite moment of probably this show and maybe the whole month is your description, uh, David inside the marble. <laughs> I love that. 
That was great. So you know what I mean, right? Yes, I do. But I thought it was a beautiful way to put it. Just love it. Because that's what Michelangelo, people say, how do you do this? He says, I just uncover what's in there. Like, it's in there. It's It's just, I just take off the excess. And to me, that's what good pruning is all about. Yeah. Find the David. Yeah, but I, I, I just uh, hearing you explain it that way was just a beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful moment. And the other thing that I love about it as well that the that none of the listeners know, and I'm going to tell them right now, is that the whole time that you're describing this, Charlie's hands are going. They're sh- she's showing you the shape on radio with her hands. It's great. I know Frankie's complaining <laughs> me about that too. He go like, oh. if I tied your hands up, do you think you'd be able to talk? <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. Maybe not. I can see because I can see the shape. <laughs> describing it is great i love it i love it um i do you want to do do you have i want to ask you about one of your homework items oh a, yeah a few a couple of weeks ago you had somebody asking about ground cherry right. which i didn't know about but then i saw it at the market which i spoke about earlier right. and so you, somebody was asking about what to do with them i think yeah did you buy some when you saw them at the market i did not no but i might when i go back today depending on what your answer is <laughs> i might <laughs> so impress me <laughs> okay so ground cherries so yeah i mean they're like these little sort of um orange, little orange, tiny, look like little tomatoes with a husk on them that when they're ripe, it curls back. So they're quite pretty, actually. Um, And they grow almost, yeah, like little lanterns when they're green. And then, of course, as they ripen. So what do you do with them? Well, they are small and yellow. They do have this papery husk. They taste like a cross between a tomato and a pineapple. So that's kind of interesting. Nothing like a cherry at all. Not at all. Sweet no. ground cherry is just a common name. Okay. So what do you do? You can just eat them the way they are. Just you know, chew them down plain, uh, right out of the husk. Add them to your salads. They're often used in desserts or even for jam making. So they're quite edible and kind of an interesting flavor. So when you're at the market, ask the the vendor if you can taste one okay. before you buy any. And if you like the taste, the taste, then take some home and sprinkle them on your granola or on okay. your salad tonight or whatever okay so so hopefully that answers uh, that question sorry yeah no, just to remind sorry i'm just gonna make noise with my paper there yeah. uh that was uh sharon who called from simcoe two weeks ago who wondered about how to cook brown cherries because she's growing them she's growing them okay super uh numbers to give us a call 416-360-0740 that's the toronto number or one 740 Four seven forty. That is the toll-free number. Let's go to our next caller. We have John on the line, and John is calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Yes. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. Morning, John. Uh, Happy Charlie, Thanksgiving. We're talking about morning. Rose of Sharon, which I hate really. My wife loves them, but anyhow, with with all that seeds. But what happened this year? I have around half a dozen of them, different colors. But there's a lot of buds, but they hardly flowered. Is that a oh. problem? Okay, they've flowered in the past? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In the past, oh, yeah, they were beautiful, you know, when they're flowering. But um, but this year, even now, there's so many buds, but they, they didn't flower. Okay. Uh, I, I would say it's probably something environmental has happened this year that's different from other falls. As you okay. know, we had a lovely growing season because we had all that consistent moisture through July and August. Come September, when uh, it was supposed to you know, change a little bit in terms of uh, precipitation and temperatures, 
it stayed so warm that it's just possible your Rose of Sharon still thinks it's, you know, August. It doesn't know it's October. So it's still uh-huh. waiting. It's waiting for, for September to start. Um, I wouldn't worry about it. It'll probably, they'll be fine next year. I I think you might remember, John, because you you consistently listen to this show. I had a Rose of Sharon. I gave it like five years, five seasons, every year, lots and lots of buds. Every year the buds would crack. I'd start to see a little bit of color under the green. I'd start to see a little bit of um, sort of purple. They were double. It was supposed to be a beautiful plant. It was a beautiful uh-huh. plant. They, it never, ever, ever flowered because of the flowers never opened and winter would come. Yeah, that's the I, problem I have now. But but like I said, um, do you think I should prune them, Charlie, in the spring? or I mean, uh, now or in the spring? In the spring. Always prune your rose of Sharon in the spring. Oh, in the spring, spring. You, prune them, you never know. They might pop those flowers. We It might prolong. We might have fall right through to Christmas. So uh-huh. don't panic uh-huh. yet. Hopefully, but, uh, hopefully <laughs> but, it will be like this in Christmas. I don't like snow. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, yeah, so thank please, you very much, Charlie, and all the best. Yeah, thank you. You too. I finally, Bye. with that Rosa Sharon I had, I finally, I dug it up. I I threatened it for five years. I finally dug it up, and my neighbor felt so bad, he took it, and of course it flowered for him. <laughs> <laughs> love it. That's He's a like, great I story. love this plant. Look how pretty it is. I went, well, that's good. Didn't yeah. do that in my house. <laughs> yeah, Gr- grumbly. That it, like, you could just feel that Rosa Sharon sticking out its tongue at you going, exactly. get rid of me, eh? Now well, it's lucky it got rescued because it was going into the compost. <laughs> okay, we have to go to our next break. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Everywhere, of course, in uh, Canada, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and many people have a holiday on Monday. And uh, the weather is, I think the weather's quite lovely this week, and we're having a nice uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I mean, after all that heat and sun and record-breaking temperatures, it's just funny how it's cooled off and it's overcast. I'm I'm happy, happy for the rain. But in terms of, you know, family hikes and that sort of thing, it's like, oh, too bad. It would have been nice if it was a little sunnier. But we'll see. We're going to get some sun in between the rain, I think, all weekend. Yes, indeed. Okay, we've had um, we've talked about uh, an emailer whose name was Sharon, and we've talked about the Rose of Sharon, and now we're going to just go to a rose. So we've got uh, we've got Rose on the line from Brampton. A totally apropos garden name. Welcome to the Garden Show, Rose. Thank you, thank you. My first time calling. And, yeah, your first time caller. There we go. Welcome to the show. Garden Wings. Thank there you. you are. Thank you. Um, my question to Charlie is, I know I, I kind of heard the tail end of it, of the garlic, when they were talking about garlic. And I, I, grow, I grew my own garlic last year, and it was very successful. Uh, but I put them in the fridge. I thought they had to go in the fridge, and I did the same thing this year. Now, they turned out okay, um, and they were all good near the end. Like I would say the last couple of months, they were kind of getting soft, but... Yeah. They were okay. Now, I because I put them in the fridge uh, for about, I guess they've been in there now for about a month, um, I was told not to keep them in the fridge. Um, can I take them out of the fridge now and put them in the cool room? Or, or yes. I don't know what to do. 
Okay, so if so, the reason we don't keep garlic in the fridge is because, um, as as you know from having planted garlic, you plant it in the fall. The garlic is outside underground all winter, and in the spring, it all starts to grow. And it's the it's the cold temperature that makes it start to grow. It um, initiates the formation of the growth, the tip that that will come up through the soil in the spring once the ground thaws. If you keep your garlic bulbs in the fridge, you're telling them it's time to grow. And they will start to grow usually in your fridge. You will start to get little green shoots popping out through the the cloves. So that's why check now, whatever you've got in your fridge that's been there for the last month or so, check, feel, make sure they're still firm, not soft and mushy. If there's no evidence of green growth, I would get them out of the fridge. I don't even keep mine in a cold situation. I just leave my garlic either in a paper bag in a, it could be certainly in a cool room, not refrigerator cool, but you know, cooler than room temperature. Uh, And the ones that are in the kitchen are just in a little garlic, we call it garlic keeper, right? It's like a little ceramic um, jug with holes in the side and a little lid on top. And it just, they need good air circulation and they don't, they're, they're better if they're in the dark rather than bright sunlight. Right. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Now, I have another quick, quick, quick question. I was helping a friend gardening uh, yesterday, and she was asking me to to cut this, cut that, trim this, trim that. And she was telling me to cut um, a tree, um, uh, whatchamacallit, a peony, a peony tree. So oh, yeah, treatment, not yeah. knowing, I cut it down, not not really low, but I cut it down maybe two, three inches. <laughs> and, but I don't know if, if it'll, I'm hoping it'll come back up. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if it's a tree peony, which is not the same as a herbaceous peony. Right, herbaceous right. peonies are the ones we do cut down to ground level. Once I wait until there's a frost usually, and then I cut the peonies right down to ground level. Tree peonies are like a little woody shrub so that they're, right. all winter you see that plant because you've got the branches above ground, just like a forsythia or a maple tree. You see it in the winter. It just has no leaves. So a tree peony is the same. Trimming it a couple of inches is not the end of the world. I would never cut it right down to the ground. That would be a huge right. error. Right. But. But, um, yeah, it's similar to any plant. We do need to shape our plants. They tend to grow in all kinds of funny directions. And like I was saying, if there's growing into the center or there's crisscrossing of branches, very always, always trim and and clean up that kind of a mess. If there's any deadwood, any time of year, cut it out. You don't want deadwood in your plants. Um, In terms of just kind of giving a bit of a haircut, it will just make the plant bushier, really, probably. Right, right. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I said. I told her that too. I, so, but yeah. anyways, okay. yeah. No, I'm glad it's going to come back. <laughs> oh yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Great. Listen, thanks for the call, there, Rose. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Uh, Got to run to our our next break. Too. Before okay. we do that, though, I'm just going to give out the numbers again. We have time for maybe another one or two little quick calls. Uh, yeah, give us a call four one six three six zero zero seven forty or one eight six six. 740 740. Don't be shy. Give us a call. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies. 
bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. Uh, Charlie, uh, just to continue the garlic uh, conversation a little bit, I was telling you, we actually didn't have a lot of luck with our garlic, uh, but you, we were talking off the, off the air there, and you were suggesting that probably what we did wrong is we did not cut the garlic scapes off. So the scape is the flower. Yeah. So in the spring, you plant in the fall, which is right around. For me, I'll be planting my garlic in the next two weeks. So mid-October is usually the optimal time to plant garlic. Yep. So I'll be planting. In the spring, little green sprouts should come up. Little green plants should be growing yep. through the spring. Late spring, if you keep an eye, you'll see a curly what looks like yeah. it's not a leaf. It comes up and it curls like a pigtail. Yeah. And that is a scape or a garlic flower stem, and it needs to be removed. If you don't cut that out, then all your energy goes into flower and seed formation yep. rather than the, the bulb below ground. So that's what you probably did wrong. Yeah. Um, but for anybody who's thinking about growing garlic and wants to know everything about garlic, there's a great website. <clears throat> it's just very simple. Garlic Growers of Ontario, that's all one word, garlicgrowersofontario.com. And there's a, a great, uh, good reference material. How to Grow Garlic is uh, is one of my favorite. It's a reference guide. Garlic Growing 101 for beginners. Sweet. Okay. Uh, let's go to our next caller. We have Cheryl on the line from Wasaga Beach. Welcome to the Garden Show, Cheryl. Thank you. Good to hear your voices. Morning. Yeah, yours as well. Oh. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Charlie, across mm. the road from from me, I have a very, very large pine tree that drops mm. all sorts of needles. And I've tried mm. growing grass along the boulevard up here for about two or three years. All I get is you know, the start of the grass and then I think the pine needles because they come so quickly and, and they're so thick. They just, it, the soil, I think, is too um, acidy, I guess. So I'm looking for suggestions. Is there something else I can plant? <laughs> well, for sure. Um, think about, like, one of the easiest ways to figure this out is take a walk. As soon as the sun starts to shine, take a walk into the forest and look in your neighborhood. What is growing at ground level beneath the evergreens? So beneath the spruces, the pines. And you will, if you look... You'll probably find some mosses. You may find some ferns. Um, there's a, a lovely native ground cover commonly called bearberry uh, that is very common as a ground cover in evergreen forests. So that's what I would do is I would like work with what you've got going on there. Work with the, the reality. Don't try and grow like a like grass just does not grow beneath pine trees. As you point out, it's too acidic. It's also too shady. It's just not a happy place. And this is the boulevard. So you're just trying to beautify some public space, it sounds like. Yeah, it really, that's all I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to put down gravel. Honestly, it's just, it's so frustrating because I put down the seed because it, it actually does get a lot of sun for part mm. of the area. But mm. Closer to the pine tree, and, and our neighbor beside us, he blows the needles onto our boulevard, and it's like, 
<laughs> I, I can grow really good pine needles. <laughs> okay, so the other thing is you could look for, and if it's a controlled place, like it's it's not a spot where it's gonna these plants are gonna move into anybody's property. There are some very vigorous plants that would grow there that you wouldn't normally choose. One is periwinkle. Uh, periwinkle oh. is a lovely ground cover. It will grow beneath a pine tree. Another is lamium, L-A-M-I-U-M. It will grow anywhere as a ground cover. Um, again, beneath a pine tree, not a problem. Common name is dead nettle for lamium. Uh, periwinkle, and I flashed on something else. Um, yeah, oh, you know, the, the lovely gout weed. Gout weed, again, not a plant you would normally choose because it is so vigorous, it's considered invasive. But again, it will grow in those circumstances. So maybe just look look for some any of those three plants. You don't need a lot. Put in a couple of plants and they will grow. Okay, that's great. Okay. I'm Perry Winkle at home. I'm going to try bringing it up here. Thank you so much. Great, okay. okay. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Cheryl. We're going to try and I'm going to try really hard to squeeze in this one call from uh, Scarborough. Vidya is on the phone. It's about grass seed again, so maybe it's building and what we've talked to. Welcome to the Garden Show, Vidya. Hi there, guys. Um, it's going to be brief. I seen it yesterday, but I heard Charlie saying something about raking. Uh, should I rake after I seed? Because okay, so it's a very soil is okay, assume, Vidya, assuming you put down soil, <clears throat> a little bit of topsoil. You scattered the seed on the surface of the soil. I run a fan rake over top of all that just once. <laughs> just run it through as a, as a big comb, and you will put some little ridges into that soil, and you will um, have a better chance of um, better seed soil contact. So higher level of germination with a very light raking with a fan rake. Yes, I, I got a nice one. You see, that we had that heavy rain a couple right. nights ago, remember? Yeah, great. Yeah, so the soil is, the top, the top is, is kind of, uh, you know, soft. So um, mm. I, guess, I guess if I give it a, a light rake, it would be okay. Yes, but yeah. Uh, Charlie, I'm an old lady, good. you know, my voice sounds young, but I am in my late 80s. But people don't well, believe me. Young. Anyway, it's my first time a caller. Yes, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Charlie. Happy Thanksgiving, love. I'm You're so welcome. happy that Just, you, you squeezed me okay. in. I was going to say, it's okay now. to walk on grass seed when you first plant it. Once it starts to grow, you do not want to walk on it. So if it's been a couple of days... You might want to just leave it alone for now because for all we know, it has started to grow. Um, that so, And also, if it's really soft from all that rain, you're going to end up with big footprints and, and indentations in your lawn, and you don't want that. So uh, at this point, you know what? You're in your late 80s. You sit back and have a cup of tea. Forget it. Yeah, talking. absolutely. <laughs> You've done <So>. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and there we are. We're at yeah. the end of the show. It's craziness. I know, and of course, callers hanging on. Call early next week, everybody. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. And you have a happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. Yes, you too. Happy uh, sweet potatoes to everybody. Thanks, Ashi. Thanks to the great callers and all you great callers. Call again next week, but call early next week. Thanks again. See you then. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.